Hey everybody, welcome to my podcast. My name is Steve Hutto. Thank you for checking me out today. We're starting a brand new series and it's called Can There Be Unity in the Body of Christ? Well, let me go ahead and tell you the answer to that is yes, but it brings up another question. Is there unity in the body of Christ? And yet another question, what can be done to make sure that unity is restored among believers, of course, in the body of Christ. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, as the text in this series. So I'm going to read that. Paul said, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. And watch this, verse 3, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4, there is one body, one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We're talking about what can be done to restore unity to the body of Christ. Now, let me start from the very beginning to say this. Unity, my friend, is inherent in every born-again believer. I don't know if you've thought about that or not. How is that possible? Because the Holy Spirit, when you're born again, comes in, your spirit comes to life, You know, Paul said, whoever joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. So the same spirit that was in Jesus and upon Jesus and was Jesus comes in us. The same spirit, of course, as Paul said, that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal body. That means he's inside of us. And so everything he is, his character, his nature is inherent in those who receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. So that's how I know that unity is inherent in every born-again believer. I'm talking about truly born-again believers who have surrendered their lives, not just prayed a 10-second, 20-second prayer, not just made a decision, but has committed their entire life to Jesus Christ. To live the rest of this life, no matter how long or short that may be, not just to go to heaven, but in this life, to live their life for Jesus Christ. That's not for a chosen few. That's not for a select few. That is for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord. Now listen, Jesus came to redeem all of mankind. Jesus didn't come. He didn't die on the cross for just a select few. He died for all mankind. He did the work. He's done his work. Our responsibility, our decision is to call upon the name of Jesus and surrender our lives to him and receive into our lives what he's done for us on the cross, making us born again. Now, with all that said, he lives in us and so does his fruit, the Holy Spirit's fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. We'll be talking about that in this series is inside of us for a reason, Not just so we can say that we're born again. Yes, we need to say that. But because we have the nature and many of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit to begin working from the inside of us outward. 
And we'll be talking about the fruit of the Spirit and those things, I believe, that are the sum, the sum total, total of uh, equals unity among believers. Now, in this passage, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, uh, I believe that Paul's anchor, I believe the purpose of this passage, the target, the goal, if you will, is verse 3, that we must be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And that's what this series is all about. Christians need to pull together, man. We, we need to be one, even though we're many members, and we're going to talk about all that. You know, the world is looking for the true nature of God, and the only place the world that's seeking for God will see his true character, his true characteristics, and his true nature is through the body of Christ. Unity enhances that. Division kills it. Nobody that's born again, not born again, excuse me, and that's looking for the truth of Jesus Christ, sometimes they don't even know what it is, but no one wants to see a divided church, and even more so, no one wants to be a part of a divided church. Now, with that said, we're not called a perfection. We're not called to be flawless, but we are called many members, many functions, many different gifts to function as one body in the earth. And again, that is the body of Jesus Christ. So when I refer to unity in the body of Christ, I may use it interchangeably with the church, but I'm talking about not necessarily your local expression or my local expression of the organized church, but I'm talking about the church at large, the church universal, the body of Christ in the earth. When we're talking again about can there be unity in the body of Christ. Now let's go back in this first session and look at verse 1 again of Ephesians chapter 4. Paul said, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, that literally means to beseech you, that you walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Now later in this series, I'm going to talk about the calling, but let me just say right at the onset that the calling we're talking about is, is not necessarily your and my different vocations and purposes and destinies. Yes, those are calls, but we're talking about, I believe Paul is talking about the call into the kingdom of God, the call out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we're talking about our relationship beginning with the day we accept Jesus when we're talking about walking in a manner worthy of that call. The word worthy there, as a matter of fact, from the original Greek, means appropriately. So you could substitute and say that I, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul says, I beseech you to walk in a manner appropriate to the calling with which you've been called. Another definition from the original Greek is uh, as becomes. Walk as becomes the calling with which you've been called. And it simply means to walk, to tread all ar around in a godly sort. Now let's go to Ephesians 4, 2, verse 2. Paul said, with all humility and gentleness, that means mildness and meekness, with patience, showing forbearance, and tolerance for one another 
in love. You know, we're going to talk more about this in this series, humility. You know what the opposite of humility is? It's pride. Pride kills oneness. Pride says, hey man, I know it all. I disagree with you. I know more than you. I'm right. You're wrong. And then you get yourself in a battle. You get yourself in an argument or a debate and the rift widens. But humility is the opposite of pride. Humility is self-abasement. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth. And he uses the word gentleness, which is meekness and mildness. You know, the opposite of gentleness is harshness. In Proverbs 15, 1, the, the, the writer says that a gentle answer, a soft answer, turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. We, as members of the body of Christ, need to be diligent to watch that stuff, man. We need to be diligent. We need to be on guard. We need to be watching, man, vigilant, that we don't cause division simply by being humble and being gentle with one another. I'll go ahead and say this. Another word for gentleness is consideration. You can check it out. The original Greek, one of the definitions translated into English from the original Greek for gentleness is consideration, meaning you, you consider others. You don't just cut them off. You don't judge them and condemn them automatically as being wrong, but you consider them. Now, listen, we're going to get real deep into this kind of stuff in this series, and hopefully it will challenge all of us, including me. It has really challenged me just preparing this. And so we go to verse 3 now, which, like I said, I believe is, is Paul's target in this passage. And he says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, what does the word diligent mean? Well, let's look at it from the original Greek as translated into English. It means to be earnest. To be earnest. No, not, not to be someone named earnest, <laughs> but to be earnest. That means sincere. That means serious and committed uh, to, to your decision and to what you know you should do. So he's saying being earnest to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It also means to endeavor. You know, when you endeavor to do something, you make the effort to do that. So he's saying being diligent or being earnest or endeavoring, we could put it that way, to preserve the unity of the Spirit. It means to make every effort. Man, that's good. To make every effort. Being diligent. Making every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Man, I could go on all day on these. It means to labor. Laboring, you know, doing some work if necessary to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Can you begin to see just by some of these definitions how important unity is to God and how important it is that we, the body of Christ, be diligent. We make an effort. We also endeavor. We make every effort. We labor. And here's another one, to study. Man, that's kind of a weird sounding definition. But think about it. What does it require as a member of the body of Christ, as a follower of Jesus, as a committed Christian, what does it require of you and me to preserve the unity of the Spirit? 
You know what you need to do if you don't know? You need to study the Scripture. You need to study God's Word and God's heart about unity in the body of Christ. I can go ahead and tell you something, my friend. God hates division. He hates division. Jesus said, a house divided won't make it, man. A kingdom divided is going to fall. It's not going to last. It's not going to persevere. But listen to this definition for being diligent here. The last one I'll, I'll give you is it says marked by preserve, excuse me, marked by persevering, marked by persevering. So if you're going to be diligent, you're going to notice that a characteristic and a sign of being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit is to be persevering. It's marked by persevering. What is that? That's endurance, man. You don't give up. You don't give up on people. You consider others. And there are many of scriptures, many scriptures in the word and passages that tell us all about how we should relate to each other. And all of these scriptures, my friend, they are not to the world. They're not to non-Christians. They're to believers and followers in Jesus Christ. Paul says we must be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. Now, let me close with this scripture as we're going to delve into this deeper next next session. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. This is the last part of that passage. Paul goes on to say, There is one body and one spirit, just as you are also called, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So the key word there is one. We are one. Do you understand that when we nitpick with each other and on social media, we get into hair-splitting arguments? Listen, I'm telling you, God never said we have to be identical in our beliefs. Yes, we have to believe in Jesus Christ. And as Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the goal. That's, and that's the goal. That's the common denominator, man. That's the root of it all is Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus and I know Jesus, we might differ on some things. And most of them are man-made opinions. You know, we might differ on some things and you might exclude some things of uh, some peripheral things that I think are very critical, and that's possible, and vice versa. But man, if we both know Jesus, there is a foundation, there is a common denominator for you and me to function as one with a view to the world and those people out there that need to know Jesus, and they're going to be attracted to the kingdom of God by love, not by division. Jesus even said that they, to, to his disciples and to us, he says, they will know that you are my followers. They will know that you are my disciples by the love you have, not for the world, yes, that's important, but by the love you have for each other. My friend, it's time that we do whatever we can to preserve the unity. Now, the word preserve from the original language, I'm running out of time, but I'm going to get into that next time, means to keep from suffering loss or injury. So when you preserve, when you're diligent, you're earnest about preserving the unity of the Spirit, what you're doing is you're, you're serious and you're committed, you're serious about and you're committed, you're adamant about seeing that the unity of the Spirit between you and me and each other does not suffer any more loss or does not suffer any more 
injury. That's it for this session. Thanks for joining me. We'll, we'll catch you next time. God bless you. I love you. Bye-bye.